there. Welcome to Beauties and Banter, a lifestyle podcast where we are relevant, witty, and opinionated. Okay, y'all, the banter is brewing. It's time to sip some tea, so let's get into it. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. What's up? Oh, my God. Life has been up. So many things have been going on that we needed to have a little breaky break. Exactly. Hey, y'all. We are back. Um, So we are back, actually, for our final episode of the season, though. So, yes, after a nice little breaky break. We decided to come back and film the final episode for this season before we go on a little extended spring break. Spring break! Yes! Um, (laughs) And we're back. There's all kind of monumental black girl magic stuff to talk about (laughs) that's happening with two of our favorites. So... Y'all know we had to come back and record a podcast to talk about Homecoming, which we will get to in a minute because y'all know I wasn't going to let y'all go without talking about Beyonce. And and then this week, we actually watched the season finale of Being Mary Jane. Yes. It's a bittersweet moment, though. It is. It is. I know. I mean, gosh, how long ago did being Mary Jane start? It's at least been like four or five years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it did. It made me glad that we got a finale because specifically when it comes to Mara Brock Akil, you know, she created Girlfriends. We were cheated out of a finale with that. Her I recent- feel salty about that. Okay. Everybody is wants the same thing for girlfriends. Like she's like, people always ask her. Um, and she's like, she's ready for it. Like she's got a concept and everything. She just needs somebody to fund it, to do it like as a movie as well. Um, and she wants somebody to like pick that up. But yeah, we didn't get into that. And then unfortunately her love is show, you know, God counsel right after a great first season. So I know she was no longer like working as the EP on being Mary Jane, but it's nice to feel like it's coming to a close. Um, and we get to see our girl. So what did you think? The end result? I, I liked the buildup to it, but then I was like, okay, I guess it's what I expected it to be yeah. in the ending. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I know MJ is messy and complicated, so I knew it wasn't going to be picture perfect. I feel like them throwing in forever fine Morris Chestnuts. Girl, he's windy the other morning. I was like, I know you're married, but just let me look at you for a minute. Okay. Hey. I mean, he is like forever fine. He got to be about 80 years old. But Sexual chocolate. Okay. I was like, so, I mean, thank you, BT. Even if he served as a placeholder, we are grateful. <laughs> Forever grateful. <laughs> that we got to see him. But yeah, I'm like, okay, here she go. Um, But, you know, I also felt like it was predictable. I'm glad she got her happy ending. And... I guess to think about the fact that, you know, thinking back to the last season, Justin was like this frenemy, you know, initially, remember? It was like he got her fired from CNN and then he came on to Great Day USA and was causing drama, but then they fell in love and then it was all this drama. I guess I'm not surprised that she ended up with somebody very career oriented. I think I'm definitely glad to see that she got her baby. And I actually am glad that she took it in her own hands, you know, like think about it. Like at the end of the last season, he broke up with her and it was like, she thought it was over and she knew she was 40. This is something that she wanted. So she did what she needed to do. 
she did something for her. And one exactly. of the things that she said in the end is she said that it's not about, when you look at life, it's not about us, it's about me. And when you learn how to do for me, for your, meaning yourself, that's when you really start to kind of flourish. I mean, she didn't yeah. say that exactly, but that was in essence what she was saying. So you have to learn how to say me and not us. Yeah. I know, because, I mean, who knows if she hadn't have done that and thankfully gotten pregnant, although it was a scary moment there where, you know, we were thinking, I was like, oh, no, please don't, you know, let this not happen where she doesn't have the baby. But who knows if, like, Justin wanted to have a child with her, you know? And thinking back on her story and all the time she, you know, with David and, um, Sheldon, or as I call him, slave papers, you know, <laughs> when he didn't want a kid, like this was the one thing that was constant. I do think marriage was something she wanted too, because I think she definitely obsessed over the happy ending, but yeah. she always wanted that baby. And she took that into her own hands and she didn't let herself worry about if she was going to be with somebody else. Like, I love the fact that, yeah, she was the only single woman in those Lamaze classes, but she kept going. One of the things that I, um, I remember them saying is she put up this quote, you know how they do the quotes? Yep. Um, in the middle of the show, if your dreams turn into dust, vacuum. I was just about to say that. Come on now. That's a word right there. You better pick up the pieces. And that's basically what she did through the whole show is that, all these dreams of what she thought what would be, what she was like, oh, this is how my life, this is how I planned it. I remember being like that when I was younger. Yeah. When I turned 27, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a baby by 29. I'm going to have this like beautiful, happy ending, blah, 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 blah. This is how life is going to be. I'm going to have this great job. Yeah. Um, and none of that happened. And it was my dreams turned to dust and mm-hmm. I had to vacuum. And I think that that's what she did as well through this whole episode. Yeah. She just thought about it. It was like, this is not what my dream is or that was my dream. It didn't happen. So I have to move on and start all over again. Yep. Yep. It's like, yeah, you vacuum, you pick up the pieces. That's how I viewed it as, cause I loved that quote. It's like, you pick up the pieces and you keep going and you make room for something new. And she got pregnant. Justin wasn't down. Cool. I'm just gonna move forward with me and my baby. Bo comes into her life. And I will say, I mean, I think he was great. But I mean, I noticed how she still kept referring to him as a friend. She never did really mm-hmm. fall in love with him. So I do think that she allowed herself to stay level headed which allowed her to be open to taking Justin back because I think, you know, some women would be in that very vulnerable position and be like, Oh my God, this man is coming in. Like now he's the one, but you know, she was still in love with Justin and he broke up with her, you know, and she moved on, but she never really necessarily stopped loving him. And she never really fell in love with Bo. You know, I did get a little frustrated because I was texting some of my girlfriends. I was kind of like, ugh, you had a whole baby. This man stepped in. You know, Justin is fickle, blah, 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 blah. It seems like the logical choice, right? And that's why I was like, this is too perfect. She's going to pick Justin, you know, in the end. But, I mean, she, if you think about it, if she had picked Bo, she would have settled. <clears throat> yes. Because that's not who she wanted to be with. And all she would have been thinking about was Justin. So, And I think that's so good that you say that. Because I think sometimes people view settling as like, oh, you settle because they don't match these things on your list. But sometimes settle, you can settle with a perfectly good man, but you may not be in love with him. It's just like, well, this works. He was there for my baby. He's, you know, doting over me. I've known him for a while. Because even the parents were like, yeah, I liked him. Yeah, he's good, you know. So it's this whole idea of like, okay, this person checks all the boxes off the resume. But are you truly connected to them? And obviously her and Justin had something that was deeper. And you're right. She would have settled with Bo, even though he was definitely worth settling for. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I know people that done that. I mean, I know real life scenarios of people who have admitted, yeah, I settled. Was nothing wrong with this person, but they were not the one. I wasn't in love with them when I married them. I wasn't in love when I chose them, but I knew I wanted a wife or a husband or whatever. And so I chose this person based on that. I mean, when some people are ready, they'll take whatever is in front of them instead of they're like, okay, I'm ready. Who's in front of me? Okay, yeah. let's go. And that, that so, is, I think she definitely could have chose that because she ran to him. You know, she came to him that night after the ball. I think Justin would have continued to play it cool. So I think that was her saying, yeah, you know, I'm not going to just take this because it's here and I'm ready and I've got this baby and he can give me this. Let me go see about this man that I know I'm still in love with and finding out that he was there at the hospital and that there may still be some love there. It was worth her exploring, even if that meant blowing up. I I think it was worth her exploring only because the guy in the office pointed out that the reason he came back was because Kira um, was like, nobody else can do this besides Justin. Justin's the only one who I am going to allow to be there and step in my shoes. He's the only one that can direct her uh, in being the best that she can be. So the network signed off on it. And when she found that out, that's when it started to trigger. Then she went to go see Kira, and then that's when Kira was like, yeah, I did it because you still love him. I think that she knew that she loved him, but she wasn't ready to admit that. She kind of hid behind that and was ready to, and that goes back to her ready to settle for both. Yeah, you're right. So shout out to Being Mary Jane. Shout out to Gabrielle Union. Um, I think it was a great run for her. And I think it is good to see us get our little happily ever after. Her journey has been complicated AF, as one of my girlfriends was saying. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, what is she, like 41, 42, probably by now on the show. And, um, but she got it. I mean, she was number two, basically, behind Oprah, who... Obviously, nobody will ever dethrone her. She's got her baby. Um, She's got her man now in marriage. It was good to see Nisi doing well, too. I really liked how they brought all that together. I do. And I like that they gave her a man. Yes. You know, somebody who really was behind her, not just any old type of man. They gave her a man who supported her, who helped her. Who probably eventually would be, I would see, if it was like a spinoff show or something, that would become her business partner. Yeah. To and, quote, and not just her business partner, but her life partner, too. And to quote one of my favorite lines from Waiting to Exhale, that's a good man, Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a good man. Um, yeah, I love that. He definitely can support her. You know, she finished college. So, Nisi finished college. Lil PJ seemed to be on his act right. He bought the family home. Mama and daddy got back together. Sounds like they going to be cruising and enjoying retirement. And it was good, too, to see Patrick, Nisi's dad, in a good place with their father. You know, because I know all that drama um, with him finding out that he wasn't his biological. You know, realizing that they were in a better place and... Seems like he's sober, getting his own place. Like, I feel like they rounded everybody out well. Yeah. So, thank you, BET, for finally airing this. Right. It kept changing. Y'all, me and Renee, I was so confused because it was like, wait, did I miss it? And then I was like, it was Wednesday, it was Tuesday. I think it kept getting pushed around because there are some promos that showed like an April 16th date. I, it was crazy. Yes, thank you, BZ. This little show that came on afterwards with um, Lauren London seems interesting. I don't know if I'll get into it, but um, shout out to her. I know we haven't recorded since the passing of Nipsey Hussle. So. Rest in peace, Nip. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Lauren. So, yeah. let's get Our into it. prayers are with you, sis. Yeah, let's get into it. Drumline, please. 
Uh, we ready. We ready. <laughs> so, y'all know we were shooketh <laughs> about two weeks ago when we learned that the queen would be coming home and would be sharing her gifts and talents in a documentary on Netflix. So, last Wednesday, I did not get up at 3 a.m. like the rest of these crazy folks. <laughs> I'm surprised that you did not. So, I don't think I realized that. So, Beyonce's homecoming was made available April 17th. And I'm like, okay, I guess it'll drop at mid- like midnight like everything else. But I've never, like, stayed up to watch, like, anything that dropped on Netflix. You know, like, Orange is the New Black. So, apparently, that's midnight West Coast time, which means 3 a.m., you know, Eastern time. So, or was it, like, 3 a.m. no matter, like, what time zone you were in? I don't know how it worked. I feel like it was, like, midnight L.A. time. So, that was, like, 2 a.m. Chicago time and 3 a.m. New York time. Yeah, uh huh. I was asleep, sis. <laughs> I was like, I know Toya up watching this. <laughs> no, very similar to Beyonce. I am of a certain age and I need my rest. So, <laughs> Beyonce wouldn't stay up to 3 a.m., would she? So, I was asleep. I mean, I happened to be up at midnight. And so, I think I wasn't going to watch it because I was preparing for bed. But when I started searching the hashtag, I was like, let me see what people are already saying about it. I started seeing all the posts of like 3 a.m. I'm waiting up. And that's why I was like, oh, no, like. mm -mm." (laughs) And then when I got up that morning, as you all know, I work from home. And, you know, obviously, I sometimes have the TV on in the background. But I was like, nope. And I had a lot of calls that day. And I was like. I want to really like sit down and watch it. So I watched it that evening on April 17th. Then I'm like, I watched it two days ago. Then I'm like, wait, sis dropped the album too. Like, Ooh. So, um, I, before watching the movie, I did listen to the album because I had worked out. And so it was my workout music. So I like, I hyped up, and I was like, okay, we got an album. We got this documentary. She really loves us. And you know she's going to come out with a concert soon. World tour. All secret scroll about it. I don't know Tickets what she... going to sell randomly. Well, see, now, this is, this is the part. As a member of the Beehive, you got to be ready so you don't have to get ready. Pun intended. <laughs> Pun intended there. So this is what sis does. She has been doing this since, I'm going to tell you when this started, when she dropped that digital album, which was 2013 and snatched all our wigs, you know, and our edges when she dropped that. Ever since then, Beyonce been on some sneaky stuff because I definitely feel like with the ad, prior to that, she had toured like around the time she had dropped, um, like the If I Was a Boy album, which was the I Am Beyonce tour. And she had toured a little bit with like four, but not really, not like an official tour. And so when she dropped that digital album, remember she performed at the Super Bowl. That was the year like she performed at the Super Bowl and it was like a big deal. And right after the Super Bowl, it was like a commercial and was like Mrs. Carter tour tickets on sale now. And it was like, wait, what? Like, how does this work? Like, where was the promotion? <laughs> you know? And so I remember cause that was 2014. I remember me and my girlfriend, I was like, okay, I'm going. And I had not been to a Beyonce concert since I saw her essence in 2008. So this was like, I'm getting fully inducted into the beehive at this point. And so I remember we went to that And then the next time she did it was the On The Run tour. And it was like, boom, all of a sudden, pictures of her and Jay-Z, boom, tickets on sale. I was right there. Then she did the Fool With Formation. She performed. Remember, she was a guest performing at the Super Bowl. First of all, she dropped Formation on a Saturday on like a random YouTube link. And it was like, wait, what? Then she dropped Lemonade 
you know, a couple days after Prince passed, RIP, you know, in 2016. And so when she performed at the Super Bowl, mind you, she wasn't even the headliner. Coldplay was, and her and Bruno Mars were guests, and she dropped Formation. And then you're like, oh my God, that was great. And then next thing you see, you see a commercial Formation World Tour. Tickets on sale too. It's like, wait, what? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And then again, we're on the run tour. So this is what she does. So all that to say, yes, I would not be surprised if come tomorrow, I get a Beyonce notification or something on my title talking about tickets on sale. And Guess who will be ready for whenever pre-sale begins? I will have my beehive code and I will be purchasing. Thank you. I, I guess I gotta get my uh, Beyonce fund together. Oh yeah, you gotta have that Beyonce savings, sis. You don't. It could be merch. It could be a concert. You gotta stay ready. <laughs> and you know she she posted on her IG stories. And that's yes. a big deal with the Beyonce with the uh, before I let go challenge. Lord Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about this challenge. And then we're going to break down the documentary. But yes, so the Before I Let Go challenge. So as we said, Beyonce released Homecoming, which is basically a behind-the-scenes view of her epic Beachella concert, or Baychella, depending on how you like to say it. I like it. to say Baychella. I, I like Baychella better. better, but I like to say mm. B. But I do like Bay and, and, and her Bayflix uh, show. Yes. So as we are renaming it to Bayflix, and as everybody was calling Coachella this year, no Cella, because <laughs> <laughs> it ain't the same without Beyonce, Ariana Grande, Boo, you cute and all, but no thanks. So it's the year anniversary, and she drops it. Well, along with that, she drops the music to it. The live version. So she also, with that, released a single that never been played before on radio, never been sang before. I was like, I refer to this song as peak blackness (laughs) because she remixed Before I Let Go by Frankie Beverly and Mays. And she brought in the It's Like Candy beat and she brought in dj jubilee's get it ready beat so this is like everybody play candy at weddings and dance y'all all remember the best man everybody yeah. play before i let go at any cookout or family reunion and everybody know yeah. at the, everybody know at the end of frankie beverly mays concert they play there and everybody does the electric slide and dj jubilee i remember from my college days and beyonce being a fellow texas girl being very influenced by Dirty South music, including New Orleans music, DJ Jubilee was one of those kind of like, get it ready, get it cut that stuff, now roll. You know, it's a line dance in a sense as well. Y'all, I was like, what is this? And I was like, before I let go, and then, you know, I'm listening, I hear the dun, 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 dun. And I was like, okay, this cute. Y'all, that DJ Jubilee beat came in and I was like, oh, hey. (laughs) So there is now a Before I Let Go challenge because she has totally remixed the song and at a part of the song, she's giving instructions like, turn around, drop it real low, slide to the left. And so it's people doing that. And I was like, especially because Beyonce told y'all to start it. And she's been reposting people in her stories that are doing it. I said, they gon' Kiki, do you love me? Challenge this to death. Oh my God. This is about to be like crazy. Especially because she reposted. Yes. Folks gonna just be like laid out on the floor. Exactly. I was like, everybody is gonna try to do the best challenge. I'm trying to go in here now and see that she posts any more today. Yep. So she's still reposting y'all. Y'all on the roller skating rink doing the challenge. You know, people putting together full productions. So, yes, we got the album. Now let's get into the documentary. So, I mean, so black, so proud, so everything. Your black girl is just magical. And I love, I'm like, ugh. This girl is so smart. 
how she overlaid the homecoming theme, which homecoming um, HBCUs with her own homecoming. So mm-hmm. this was in a sense, her coming home, not only home to reconnecting with her black culture it was coming back to the stage after being off having twins. Because at this point, Formation World Tour was 2016. So this was 2018. So at this point, she had not been on the stage um, in almost two years. Like she said, she had the babies in 2017. She found out she was pregnant in the fall of 2016. So, you know, she's going on two years not being on the stage as we got to see in the documentary, she chronicles her pregnancy. She talks about it being unexpected. A lot of people have speculated, did they plan it? Did she do in vitro? No, she got naturally pregnant with twins, very unexpected. And she was actually slated to do Coachella, you know, that year. So, I mean, that should tell you why. Like, why would she purposely get pregnant and do in vitro knowing that she had a big performance coming up? So she had to push it back. That makes me think of would would Coachella have been Baychella on the level that it was? I think it would still be Baychella no matter what. Yeah. But would it have been Baychella on the level that it was? I think it would have been something totally different. If she was pregnant? If, if she was not pregnant. Oh, you mean like if she, she didn't have that time? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, yeah. So you can argue that in her time off, you know, it made her perhaps more reflective. And I mean, my understanding was that she had already thought of this concept, but she hadn't fleshed it all out yet. Mm-hmm. And then she found out she was pregnant um, and she knew she wasn't going to be able to do it. I think at one point she was thinking about pulling a Cardi B and trying to perform pregnant, but you know, this is what happens when you of a certain age and you having twins. You know, I think she knew she wasn't going to be able to do. She wasn't going to give us a B performance. Beyonce has never performed pregnant, period, even with Blue. She's never toured right. pregnant. So I just think it's something that's foreign to her. And I respect that. You know, I know we talk about working moms and we'll talk about that because you definitely see her doing that when she did Coachella. You know, the babies were only like eight or nine months. So they were still babies. She was still breastfeeding. But I do think, unlike most mothers, she has chosen to really like go off the grid during her pregnancy. And she does not perform at all. Because she had, I mean, that's why we never really got a a tour before Mrs. Carter for the four album. Cause she recorded recorded the four album, which had love on top to it, and like got pregnant. So that whole time she was pregnant, and then had blue. She didn't um, tour, and so she didn't tour again until you know it was that was been twenty fourteen, and at that point blue was like a year and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't think it would have been the same. You know, based on the documentary, so you really get to see what led her to it. And so her father was an HBCU grad. He's also an Omega. She grew up in Houston, going to like Texas Southern Games, going to the Battle of the Bands. And she said, you know, she didn't get to go to college. She toured with Destiny's Child. That was her college, but she always had this love for it. And Beyonce was the only african-american woman to ever headline coachella let's talk about that let's talk about like i hope she's not gonna be the first and the last you know right exactly and so she chose to say you know this is a big moment that i'm the first doing this and i'm sure she had reached those milestones before but i mean i didn't know how big coachella was to be honest until i found out beyonce was performing (laughs) like i would hear people Talk about going, you know, it was always mainly my white girlfriends, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. white people that I knew or people in the LGBT community that were not black, you know, guys that I knew. I I was like, okay, that sounds like some white people stuff, (laughs) you know, and it basically is. And then all of a sudden, Beyonce was going to be there. And I was like, well, that's cool. I'll catch her on tour. I'm not going to Coachella. You know, like... 
it was not even something that I was even looking to go. As much as I am down for like her concerts, I was like, well, I'm good. I saw her on Formation World Tour. So I think she knew that this was a very much all white situation. And she chose to say, as the first black woman, to this all white audience mainly, I'm about to be black as I can be. I'm bringing the homecoming home. Exactly. To the center stage. Exactly. And I love how she said it, even through her performance. There was a point where she was like, thank y'all for having me. I'm excited to be the first black woman. And I know there was a part in the documentary where they're talking about incorporating a lot of this, you know, the drum line, the dancing and everything. And I think the choreographer was like, well, yeah, they go, they aren't going to get it. They aren't going to. And she was like, okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> like, they don't need to get it. What they will do is maybe inquire about it, though. It, and, I, and I do know, like I said, some of my, uh, one of my associates who's um, a Latino um, gay guy mentioned, he went and he was like, oh my God, it was so cool. And like, he was like, I researched some of that stuff about like the homecoming and HBCUs. Like it made him look into it further. Well, it's funny because I remember when I went to um, college, I didn't consider it HBCU. I really didn't. Um, I mean, I knew about them, of course, but being raised in the Midwest for me, I wasn't really like looking for them or like going out to them and visiting them. It wasn't until I moved to Houston when I actually had my first, well, before I, when I went to uh school in, in Beaumont my first year. Yeah. That's when I had my first experience with the HBCU. Mm-hmm. And we went down to Prairie View. Um, no, we went down to TSU or Prairie View, one of the two. And it was a TSU Prairie View game. And literally we walked into the stadium and I was like, all this blackness. Like, right. oh my God. <laughs> wall, the wall, blackity, black, black, black. Yeah. I yep. was like, man, and then the band came out, man. and everybody, they were like, who are you rooting for? Once I was like, T-S-U. Oh, yeah, that was PV, that's their thing. Yeah, that was Prairie View, because that's what they always do. Who are you rooting for? P-V-U. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. I mean, the noise was like, it was like amplified. Everybody was like, as one, I, I, I was like, oh, well. So I'm glad you said that. What I loved most about the documentary, so I did stream um, Baychella, and I probably have talked about this before. It was a very, like, definitely, like, beehive stand moment. Because I was actually in Paris during Baychella. I was on a totally different time zone. And like, it's the middle of the day, we're out seeing sites and I'm on my phone connected to the hotspot streaming Baychella. And like, my tour group is just like, what are you doing? Like, we are on the Champs-Élysées, we are at the Arc de Triomphe, like, and you are sitting here watching Beyonce on your phone. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, absolutely. But what I loved about the documentary that you didn't get from the stream is the sound. And so because it was so close up, I loved when those moments where they were dancing and you could literally hear the rafters rocking. You could hear their heels hitting the rafters. You could see up close how much fun it was. This is what I loved about it. And she talked about this when she's like, you know, we're here to have fun. This is this. She was like, but it's a little janky right now. So we need to clean it up. But what I love is that everything wasn't precise. And if you've ever been to a Beyonce concert or watched a show, it is like production, precise, everybody is moving in unison. There were a lot of moments where intentionally it seemed that they weren't in unison. And that made it feel even more real because that's how it is at homecomings. And I did not go to an HBCU, but I went to an all-black high school in Texas that had that same vibe and everybody's in the stand and everything like that. And like you, 
I've been to a Prairie View. I've been to a Texas Southern. I've been to the Bayou Classic, which is the Gremlin and Southern game. That's like peak Battle of the Bands, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they do. So I love those moments where you see everybody doing the choreography and it's not necessarily precision. It's kind of like a little loose with it. Um, but the sound, like you could hear everything and I'm like oh my god to be on that stage that had to just be so energetic to experience that and I know watching it I wasn't only enamored by the way she layered it with the theme um how black it was I it was so different you know I love Beyonce she's a great performer but sure when I go to some concerts, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's done that dance break before or she's done this setup before. Oh, she's going to do, you know, partition. She's going to come out behind the screen and you're going to see her. This was like nothing you had ever seen before. Nothing. Nothing. And nothing. That, and I, I think it was also nothing that anyone else has done before, too. Exactly. That's what made it even better. I agree. No one, no other black artist, no other anyone had done this. You know, what was it? They said like over 200 people up there. And I loved how she was like, okay, I'm not going to just hire a whole bunch of professional people to act like these people. I'm actually going to find people at these colleges, you know, Mm -hmm. that are in the bands now or that were formerly drum majors. And I love what she says. So a couple of things, lessons and work ethic. So as we said, she had the baby. She postponed Coachella. But no more than a few months after she had the babies, she was back at work. And I love they show her first rehearsal post-pregnancy. And you see her still heavy. She said she got up to 218 pounds. I mean, she still had the mama boobs. She had on loose fit clothing. And... You could tell she wasn't comfortable in that in that body, but she pushed through. And, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the time, but she did. She rehearsed for eight months straight. She put herself on a strict diet. And what I love was she's like, I hand selected personally every dancer, every member of the orchestra. This girl said down to the beating on the hats, all the costumes and everything. Yeah. And in a sense, you know, I think there's some satisfaction in that. You know, I try to, as a manager at work, you know, I think that's big. I always talk about like ownership, you know, giving an employee a task and letting them lead it creates a sense of ownership and they take better care of it sometimes versus just like, oh, I'm letting other people do this or whatever. And I think so many artists do. They put their tours and everything in the hands of, you know, people that are paid to do that, you know, but she is like, no, I, in addition to being the talent, I am very concerned about every single thing to do with this production. And that can be a lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah. But what I loved about that, too, is that she gave the opportunity to these. They weren't kids. They're definitely not kids, but. Mm -hmm. To people who went to HBCUs and were, like you said, the actual people who were in the drum line or in the band, right. she gave them opportunities that they would probably never have gotten before. Never. Like, they now have, that they have worked for Beyonce on their resume. And yep. then what, one of them, the drummer, the one that did the solo, she's now a part of the band. Yeah. And I love the other young lady, the majorette is what they kind of call them, who did the twirl, the twirler. Mm-hmm. She talked about, you know, she was short and thick and she was like, she's always aspired to be a dancer. Her parents went to HBCU. She did not. But she said she was always told she was too short, too thick. And here she is now getting a chance to do this. She was the perfect person Beyonce was looking for. And She's, she was like, that's what she said. I could have never imagined this. This is like the best thing. And to be affirmed in that way, you know, to be in an industry where you are told you're too thick, you're too dark, you're not tall enough to really be this dancer and to have the greatest entertainer of this era right now to affirm you in a way to be a dancer and not a backup dancer, but to be have your own mini solo. Front and center. 
that was the other thing I noticed. And, you know, if you've ever been to a show, obviously she has to change clothes and everything like that. And there's usually dance breaks. You know, here recently she shows a lot of home video during those times or there's like a music solo. What I loved when I really like watched it in its entirety on Netflix is how she used those dance breaks to highlight these people. There was the the guys mm-hmm. stepping. There was the guys with the no shirts dancing. Hey, y'all. Um, <laughs> hey, y'all with the body twisting. Hey, boo. Um, the, the, the twins, I think they're called. No, I'm talking about the, the three young gentlemen with no shirts that were of brown skin tone that were doing like the body con- <laughs> I mean, I like a chocolate man. They were doing the body contour and the double jointed guys. Oh, yeah, okay. I remember. And they each took a turn. Yeah. Uh huh. And then she had the sister with the twirl and the dancers. You know, she used those breaks to highlight some things. Yeah, spotlight them. Um, And then, of course, it was a big reunion. I think that was her other thing, homecoming. Destiny's child joined her. Her sister joined her. Her husband joined her. And um, it was a really big production. You know, her whole family was there for it. I I can't say enough about it. Yeah, it was an amazing documentary. And I'm glad that she definitely put that out because it just gives more insight into who she is because she is very secret scroll about her life yeah um but it's not even her life that i'm that much intrigued with as to her work ethic and what she showed in this documentary Mm -hmm. like wow like you really went above and beyond that diet that she went on she's like i will never do that again (laughs) no bread no sugar no wine no carbs no this no that like no no nothing like She's like, I will never, ever do that again. That girl said, I was hungry. I was like, <laughs> sis, you sound hungry just talking about the diet. I'm hungry. You just talking about that diet. Right. Like, and I, girl, I'm hungry listening to you, and I just ate a Snickers. And so, you know, you're right. <laughs> I think you bring up a good point because... It does sound like it taught her a lesson because you're right. She said that. I will never push myself that way. She was like, you know, when they showed her having a muscle spasm, A, she had a difficult pregnancy. She gained a lot of weight. She had high blood pressure. She had preeclampsia, which is very scary. A lot of women do not make it out on the other side of that, nor do their babies. And she had an emergency C-section. So she had that recovery. So let's keep that in mind. She's not only recovering from having a baby, she's recovering from surgery. That is major surgery. And like she said, her body is recovering. Your your body gets moved around. And the second time around at a certain age, I have girlfriends, you know, still having babies in their late 30s and 40s. And especially that second time around, one of my girlfriends was like, my whole body was towed up, you know? Um, And so I think she learned that. Like, this isn't me being. 29 popping out blue and then being back on the stage like this is me being 37 popping out twins and this is too much (laughs) you know um and i think that was interesting obviously she continued to tour because we had on the run but i will say i did notice like it was great of course but beyonce does not move like that anymore like how she used to um, just from the on the run tour too, you could tell the difference. And and I think that's what's so amazing when I watch Beachella and I watch some of the moves. I'm like, this girl is like snapping. She is like going in. She is giving it her all. And it's just been so long since you've seen that. And to think about how she did this merely eight months after having twins and major surgery at 37 years old. She don't, she's one of those artists don't even have to give it her all for us to be like, Beyonce, I right. love you. I'm going to go buy the tickets. She could do not like part of what she does and people mm-hmm. are still going to love her. Just to think of that every time she gets on stage, every time she puts a production together, yeah. every time she puts a concert together, whatever she's doing, she gives it her all. 
And like she said, you know, it was difficult for her when she wasn't getting it, when she wasn't getting all the moves, when her body was fighting against her because she's like her personality is a perfectionist. And that's good to know that she still had trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, to know that she didn't have that snapback of what everybody thinks. You know, when you see your Instagram highlight reel, right? you see the snapback. But yeah. you don't see what it took to get that snapback. Exactly. And not getting those moves and being tired or having to go do um, pump your breast to give milk to your kids. Yeah. Or having to pick up a crying baby. Or uh, being out of breath because you're out of shape because you just had twins. Yep. You know, people don't see all of that from the highlight reel. They just see, oh, look at her snapback. She look good. I'm going to be Beyonce. But you don't know that she just did this diet, this crazy diet. Yep. Or, yeah. Or even, like you said, like, um, her snapback wasn't the same. She lost the weight. But, you know, it took her a while, like she said, to really return to who she was before. Um, And even then, it was still, like, a struggle, you know? Um, And you got to work twice as hard, and she was willing to do that. And I want to go back, too, to my thoughts around um, the Black piece of it. I was thinking, you know, because obviously she's mainstream and not only the white people that were there at Coachella, but the white people, and I won't even say white, non-black people who are now watching it on Netflix. I was like, you know, I really hope every non-black person who's watching this looks beyond the dance moves and her being Beyonce and really gets more understanding of black culture. Because mm-hmm. I think this film was more than a concert. It was an educational tool. And I love the fact that she used her platform as the first black woman to headline Coachella to educate, to empower, and to bring unity. And, like, to me, that's why I'm so, like, proud of her. I know people be like, y'all may have y'all crazy. She overrated this, this, this. And I'm like, no, those are the kind of things Like, she's really evolved into a woman who is about empowerment in every way. Not just empowering you to leave your man to the left, you know, me, myself, and I. There is something about watching Beyonce work, whether that's coming to a concert, listening to an album, or watching that, that it's like, you know what? I can do this. I mean, literally, like, I've been struggling to get back in the fitness game. I've put on weight. And like I said, the day it came out, I was at the gym. And to be honest, like, ever since, you know, watching it, I'm like, I can do this. If Beyonce can do it, I can do it. And you know what? She's right. Like, I need to educate other people. I need to be proud of my history. I need to find more ways to connect with my culture. I need to push myself even when I don't want to because I have a goal to accomplish or a deadline to meet. Like, she really has this way of just being herself that really, like, empowers you. Like, and so that's why I said it's more than just the dance moves and, oh, she look good and this, this, and this. Like, I really hope people get that. I know we as black women get that, but I really hope non-black people watch that, get that, and understand what we go through. Like, I think she talks about that in the end, like, not feeling good enough, not feeling like you fit in all the time. Like she's gone through that in this industry, you know? Mm -hmm. And no matter who you are, you can be Beyonce. You're going to go through that. And, you know, it's her basically saying like, I want to do whatever I can. So if it's an all black this and women doing this, even at this very white venue, I love where she said, yeah, I thought I could have worn my flower crown, but nah. You know, because Coachella is very, like, flower power. You know, she like, no, I'm going to come up in here with wavy textured hair and um, black stuff. And I'm going to strut out here in a Queen Nefertiti costume. And then I'll go change. That opening is like, ma'am. Everything. Everything. Queen has arrived. Just so y'all know, and I'm not like a queen, like Queen Elizabeth with some little Marie Antoinette looking hair and crown. I'm going to put on my uh, Queen Nefertiti, (laughs) 
Queen Sheba, my black queen stuff. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm here. No flower crown, boo. <laughs> so, and I'm telling y'all, shout out to Blue Ivy. Y'all better watch her. Blue Ivy was in there giving you vocals. She was giving you Beyonce head turns. She was giving you chair moves. I'm like, you She said, so I was like, okay, now Blue, look at you. Then when she sang the um, Star Spangled Banner, she was like, I want to do it again, mommy. I want to do it again. The Star Spangled Banner, Renee? What, what was it? What she sang? The oh, Negro National The Negro uh-huh. National Anthem. Yes, girl. Just <laughs> every voice and sing. It's late. <laughs> I know. And I think, I, I'm like, even watching her, I'm like, lest we not forget, this is the child of Beyonce and Jay-Z. Like, she's seven now. She's giving us a little bit. But, like, this is a baby Beyonce. Like, I can't wait to see her grow up and to really start giving it to (laughs) y'all. Like, she's from a family of two musicians. There's no way this child is not going to be in the creative arts. What I also love about Blue is that she seems to be a very well-behaved child. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't see little videos of Northwest and all that running around. That girl looked bad. And I feel like every time you see a video of Blue, you know, she seems to be well-behaved. And it's funny because she's so, like, shy. You can tell she's a little shy for the camera. And I know she'd be on Mama Tina's corny joke stuff. And that's kind of Beyonce's personality. You know, when she's not... think about it as Beyonce when yes. Beyonce was younger. Yeah, and even now, like, the reason she doesn't do a lot of awards and interviews is because she is private, yes, but she is really shy. That is why she was like, when I'm on the stage, that's Sasha Fierce. Like, that's why she created that. And I think Blue seems to have a lot of her kind of like, oh, I don't really want to, you know, personality. But it's like, oh, I'll turn it on, though, you know, for you. But, like, naturally, I'm, like, very, like, reserved. She just seems to be a very, like, calm child. I don't think... I think Beyonce and Jay-Z are raising them children right, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. When she sang that song, she reminded me of when Beyonce was singing on stage at um, a play or something years ago. And it was... um, She was... I don't know if it was like a contest or something. Uh-huh. And uh huh. Probably really like shy. Star Search. I know she was on Star Search, and they sometimes show those clips. No, it was a, she did. It was a solo that she was doing. Oh, okay. And it, I was like, oh my god, if that don't look like remind me of when Beyonce was doing that. Blue Ivy is totally Beyonce. Like I see her personality. She posted like this shy kid. Yeah, she posted a side by side of like. I mean, there's this, you know, some of that home video that was in her last HBO documentary. It floats around a lot. She's got like a denim dress. She's got like the big curly hair. And then, you know, Blue Ivy has this long, big hair. And it was like a screenshot of her side by side with like Blue now. And she, you know, she posted it and was like, oh my God, like look at my baby. And it looks so much like her. Like Blue Mm -hmm. Ivy is like the perfect blend. There are moments where she looks like her dad. And then yeah. there are moments when you look back on baby pictures of Beyonce and younger pictures where it's just like, that is blue. And I think you're right. So much of it is like she seems to embody her personality and her presence. But she favors her dad for sure. But I think so much of her embodies Beyonce that you can't help to see the resemblance. Mm-hmm. I'm like... Beyonce, me and my girlfriend was talking. I was like, Blue Ivy is like, she's running the thing. And that's my girlfriend was like, okay, talk about a leader. <laughs> she looks right. like, she's like, mm, I don't think the dancers got that right, daddy. Like, what do you think? Like, <laughs> I say we try again. <laughs> she looked like she probably tell Beyonce and Jay-Z what to do sometimes. Like, um, At the award show that time when she was like telling them like, Calm that down. Right. Calm that down. She probably telling them how to raise them babies. Like, uh, mama, like, don't you hear sir in here crying? Like, what you gonna do? <laughs> That's funny. So, very excited about homecoming. I, so, I had to laugh at myself because 
I don't really buy Beyonce merchandise like the shirts and stuff, but I bought me some merchandise. And when I was watching, so I got me, I'm now a member of the Beyonce sorority. So I got me a Beta Delta Kappa shirt, crop top that I will be rocking uh, for homecoming, representing. Because I do think it was monumental, but I literally watched it and I was like, I feel like I owe her something. Like, I didn't pay for (laughs) I was like, I didn't pay for this. I didn't pay for a concert ticket this time. I was like... Let me buy some off her website, girl. I owe you. Here. Here's $40. Right. How many other people did the same thing? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, when does the Ivy Park uh, stuff come out? Let me buy something. You know, I like some of that workout stuff she was, you know, dancing in. And I got a few Ivy Park things. But I was like, maybe I'll buy some Ivy Park. And then I saw those shirts. And I was like, I, I just feel like I owe you. Thank you, Beyonce. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Thanks, Bay. Take all my coins. And if you announce a tour this week, I guess you'll be taking the rest of my coins. <laughs> She's been heavy on the social medias this week with the challenge. And she posted something else about more. A cat is about to come out the bag. Are they saying that it's going to, because you sent me something, but it was saying it was like overseas first and. I wonder will North she, American dates be listed first? Yeah, they said she would start overseas first, and then she would come over to uh, the U.S., back to the U.S., and then finish up. And it would be a, a world tour, basically. So you think she's taking homecoming on the road? I would love for her to, and I think that's probably what she's going to end up doing. I would say so, too, because I do feel like between formation and on the run too like we've seen that and outside of the everything is love album which they performed a lot of those songs on the on the run tour you know homecoming is such a different concept that i think people would pay to see that based on the performance you know and i think i think it would be great that in addition to announcing it that if it also included all of those people that if it was like a DC three reunion and that yeah. if it was also Jay-Z going to be on there doing stuff and Solange, like to me, that's epic. Cause then the article say something like her most epic tour. I was like, that would be dope. If she takes yeah. it, if she takes it on the road and she takes destiny shot with her, mm-hmm. Kelly and Michelle, Michelle, you didn't get married. No shade. Kelly, you ain't pregnant again. Y'all got time. Exactly. Jay-Z, you right up under her. She needs you there anyway for childcare. So you can hop out there on a few songs. Mm-hmm. And Solange, yeah, together. Solange, you know, you can come on the road too, boo. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. I think they can that's stick together. Something. They can make a new song together. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like she probably won't put out new music. But you never, I don't know. I never know while we sitting here trying to guess. What I do know is this, is that apparently this Netflix deal is one of three projects. So she do have something else up her sleeve. They aren't saying what. Um, She did release a shirt this week that was kind of like, "Mm, is there a subliminal message here? Because she usually releases her tours on DVD and she never released the Formation World Tour. So prior to Homecoming, that was actually my favorite tour. Like, amazing. And everybody's always like, where's the DVD? So I'm wondering if that's it. Because they released On the Run on HBO. So you got to see that. They released um, the I Am Sasha Fierce on DVD. And But Formation was a big tour for her. And they hadn't released it. So I'm like, I'm wondering, is that going to be another project? But they said she has signed a multi-million dollar deal for three projects with Netflix. So I was like, A, get your coin, sis. B, I can't wait to see what else you got. <laughs> exactly. And so, see all of the above. Exactly. So, all right, y'all, we're going to wrap up this podcast. Thanks for letting us banter on about Beyonce. 
(laughs) (laughs) So we are going to enjoy our break. We hope that if this is maybe your first time listening, that you go back and check out some of our other episodes. You got plenty of time to catch up on other episodes from the season before we join you all back in about two months or so. Yeah, we taking a break. Come back after the summer or during the summer. Yeah, during the summer. Yes, we'll be, we're coming we'll back, be back right summer. around what, like Fourth of July or so. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll have. So you guys enjoy.